Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all the meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups. Delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, you're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie, and tonight we have another action-packed episode for you. We'll be talking about healing diabetes with Ruth with Tasha Lee, and I met Tasha personally. She here, She's here in Florida where I am. She just lives a lot north of me. I'm actually in south, uh, more towards Miami. But before I get her on, I'm waiting for her to call in through Skype. Hopefully she'll be able to do that. But before uh, she comes on, just wanted to remind you of last week's show, or Monday's show, rather, with Dr. Maya Sheetreat Klein. Had a very good time speaking with her about her book, The Dirt Cure. And we spoke specifically about children, about kids, and how to keep your kids healthy. A lot of the children today are not healthy. And um, we spoke specifically about food sensitivities, food allergies, cleared up things about milk casein and whey in milk. So really enlightening show uh, with her. And uh, I would encourage you, if you have kids or know someone who does, please share that episode with them because that can really cut down on doctor's visits. So um, you want to... Get as much knowledge as you can, a lot of chronic ear infections, um, stomach aches, things of that nature are always tied to maybe something that a child is not, a child is eating that may not be agreeing with them. And I can tell you just from my experience of working in a food sensitivity lab that a lot of the the five most irritated, uh, five most sensitive things that most children are sensitive to are eggs. I've, I've found that out firsthand. Uh, milk, believe it or not. You have tomatoes. A lot of people are sensitive to tomatoes. Soy, of course, which I think Dr. Maya, she treats Klein's um, son was actually sensitive to soy and it brought, brought him asthma-like symptoms. So you want to stay away from soy. And then there is one more, which I cannot remember um, right offhand. I believe that one is wheat. So wheat, a lot of people are having issues with wheat as well. So um, you want to make sure that um, you kind of eliminate those things from the diet. And if there's something that's still uh, irritating your child, maybe you might want to consider getting a food sensitivity test to find out exactly what your child has allergies or sensitivities to. It's well worth the money. I've seen some miraculous things happen when just common foods that children are eating are taken out of the diet, stomach aches go away. I talked about on the show where I had one specific customer. She was a doctor, actually a chiropractor, 
and her daughter was complaining about stomach aches, and it turned out to be eggs. Eggs was the culprit, and she took the eggs out, and she sent me a letter just saying that, hey, I'm really glad you convinced me to take the test, and it was invaluable to her that her daughter was not complaining of stomach aches all the time. So I cannot say enough about maybe just those five things, pulling them out of the diet, and if you have to go further, going and in getting a food sensitivity test. If you need help from me about recommending a test, I'd be glad to do that for you. You can email me at perfectlyhealthyandtoneradio at gmail.com. Again, perfectlyhealthyandtoneradio at gmail.com if you have any questions. And also, if you have any suggestions for people that you would like to hear on the show, you can send them into that address. Uh, again, Gmail address is perfectly healthy and tone radio at gmail dot com. So um waiting on Tasha to call in again. So I guess I'll keep talking. Um a lot of people are getting off of the Memorial Day holiday. So hopefully you had a great uh, Memorial Day. A lot of things coming up summer is getting ready to kick in high gear. Uh if you're going to be out on the beach I would say get grab some sun, get some vitamin D in and enjoy yourself. I'm here in South Florida and I've been going to the beach since about March. And <laughs> I've been enjoying myself and getting some vitamin D in and the water has started to warm up. So again, you want to make sure that uh everything is is going well. So I'm not sure what's going on with uh Tasha. I'm going to see what's going on. Don't really know here if she's trying to call in or not. So bear with me. I can't see in the switchboard. And while I'm doing that, I just wanted to remind you of being able to connect with me on social media. You can connect with me on Facebook or on my, my personal page, Darren McDuffie. You can also go to the fan page, uh, Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. That's Facebook.com slash Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. Also on Twitter at TheFat underscore Man. And um, you can connect with me there and get the latest updates on the show. I usually tweet the show out that the show that we're doing at the particular point in time. I usually tweet that out and you connect from Twitter, uh, Facebook. I'm always updating on my personal page. I'm uh, frequently updating and putting Facebook events so you'll know exactly when the show actually happens. So not sure what's going on with Tasha. I'm not sure if she have, she's having an issue. Okay, there she is. I don't, I don't know if she had an issue with trying to get in on Skype. So before I get her on, just let me read uh, Tasha Lee's bio. Tasha Lee was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 11 and with epilepsy at the age of 13. She did what was necessary to survive her teenage years. This included regimented control of eating and medication. She would be affected by her condition more than she could ever imagine. She began secretly binge eating and rebelling against those who tried to help control her and influence her life decisions. Her eating would spiral out of control and eventually lead to an eating disorder. Her downward spiral would continue for 15 years. Tasha Lee eventually got certified as a personal trainer but couldn't work because the focus on weight and exercise fueled her obsession. She shot, she she sought recovery but was unable to find a solution. Through an amazing turn of events, she finally recovered in 2007 and began a new way of living, which changed everything. Tasha Lee, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. 
Thank you. Hi, Darren. <laughs> Sorry about that. How are you? Did you have to call in from uh, your your personal number? Skype wasn't working. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't working. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm, I I actually try. I usually sign on the show through Skype, and for some reason, all the lines were full. So I'm actually doing the interview by phone. But I get, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. So, <laughs> so cool. let's go ahead and, and yeah, and jump in and get started. So I just read your bio. You were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 11 and then with epilepsy at the age of 13. Go back in time, if you will, and kind of take me through, me and the audience, so to speak, about what was going through your mind at that time. Because for me, at 11 years old, I was worrying about stitches and maybe a broken finger. I I suffered a broken finger when I was in middle school and nothing more, nothing less. I can't imagine what you were going through at that time being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. But take us back to that point and kind of walk us through what you were going through, what you were feeling at that point in time. Okay, well, you know, it kind of started the the summer before. We were traveling as a family. I have a lot of brothers and sisters, and we had to keep stopping for me because I had to go to the bathroom, and I was drinking so much, and I just I felt like a pain in the butt, but I didn't know what the problem was, you know. And, and um, mm-hmm. then on the first day of sixth grade, I – had to keep asking my teacher to go to the bathroom and I was so embarrassed and I'm like I'm just gonna hold it I'm just gonna hold it and I wet my pants and it was so embarrassing and we ended up going to the doctor and then um, getting tested and found out that I had type 1 diabetes which was just you know pretty shocking Um, but I have a twin sister and she had been with allergies she would keep me up at night with her allergies and I was just like oh my gosh it's so annoying but I felt bad for her so I kind of felt like well she got allergies I got type 1 diabetes so you know it's only fair I had to get something (laughs) but Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. I mean once I had it it was um it was really um it made me pretty angry all of the restrictions like I had to get on this food plan but my family was very supportive you know they all they switched we all ate at certain times together and they switched how we were eating and you know I felt very supportive but at the same time I was just like man (laughs) um I just want to eat what I want to eat and um the worst thing for me was I was getting ready to go on a trip um to Jamaica it was like this really cool mission trip and um at the last minute, my parents weren't going to let me go because I wasn't taking good care of my diabetes, and they were concerned that something would happen to me. And um, I just got very, very angry about that incident. Um, and I think that it was kind of that kind of spurred me into a lot of angry eating. And I did end up going on the trip, but we had to like pack everything, like be really, really careful about just everything because, I mean, you just have to with type one diabetes. So. There was just a lot of anger that developed, um, and I started acting out later in high school. Yeah, and then you were diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of 13. So if it if that wasn't enough, it's like you kind of underwent a double whammy by being diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, how did that affect you? At 11, you're, you have the diabetes, and then at 13, it's epilepsy. So are you at this point thinking, oh, my God, 
you know, is my health ever going to get better or were you just like <laughs> totally devastated? I I think I was just kind of like, what the heck? I I don't know. <laughs> just, you know, I had the seizure um, walking in the woods mm-hmm. one day and then we just started, I mean, we just started seeing doctors. You know, I just went to my neurologist and we get the EEGs and, you know, I had to avoid flashing lights and whenever we would drive past the um a bunch of trees where the sun was shining through and it would kind of flicker on the side of my vision. Um, you know, it, I could feel like a seizure coming on. Um, it was just, I mean, you kind of, whatever you have, it just becomes life and you just deal with it. And so I was just like, well, this is what I have to do. And I have to avoid video games and strobe lights and, you know, dances with <laughs> flashing lights or whatever and you know I don't know I just kind of figured this is what my life is and I just have to see what I have to do the epilepsy I don't think affected me as much as the diabetes <laughs> just because it was like uh-huh. I took my medicine and it kind of controlled it somewhat Yeah, it wasn't as yeah. bad as some people's epilepsy yeah you mentioned you had a twin sister and you and I talked in person and I didn't we we talked, but we didn't kind of get to the meat of who you really are, and I wanted to get to that on this interview. But um, you mentioned that your sister had allergies. What was the overall health of your family? Has anybody ever had uh, diabetes, or w- were there any major health issues with between your mom and your dad? No, I mean, I was pretty much the only one that had diabetes, and, you know, there was, like, high blood pressure in the family. Nothing, nothing really big, no. So you were the only, only one other than your sister who had who had the allergies. Um, yeah, I was the lucky one. In your book, one. you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, you were the lucky one. Um, yeah. And you're probably right in more ways than one. But um, you mentioned in the book that there's been an increase in in, in diabetes, and it, it it just seems like I know personally in my own family, I I can think off my the top of my head right now, two people I know that have that are diabetics within my own family. Um, why do you think that we're having such a epidemic of, of diabetes at this point in time? You know, I used to think that it was because everybody was just kind of eating crappier and sitting in front of the TV and, you know, it was a result of just our poor lifestyle choices because it is something that at least type 2 um you know, can be reversed by uh-huh. changing what we eat. But lately I'm just, I'm learning a lot as I've been doing like parasite cleansing for my other stuff that happened to me this year and just seeing that there's a lot of, there's a lot of connections with, um, with the, our environmental toxins and molds, funguses, like, um, and EMF even, things that I never would have considered before. I think there's just a lot of attacks against our health and, you know, our immune systems are getting attacked and we're just, um, you know, this it's like a response. <laughs> so in addition to not eating that healthy, we are just, we're kind of being bombarded. So um, I think that there's a lot of reasons that it's on the rise. And it just feels like we have to do more as humans to stay healthy than ever before. Like, it seems like in the past, people didn't really, you know, they ate what they ate, and it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I have to eat healthy in order to not get diabetes. It seems like now, like, we have to really think about it and just really be mindful about doing 
everything as healthy as possible to avoid getting conditions where it didn't seem like it was such a problem in the past. Yeah, it does seem like it's a bit. It's a lot of labor going into to really being healthy, but we we're, we're undergoing a lot more stuff. Our our bodies are being introduced to things that they weren't being introduced to for 20, 30 years ago. Um, you mentioned the parasite cleansing. You and I actually met through the turpentine. I filmed <laughs> the YouTube video, and I'm like, who is this woman asking me questions <laughs> about turpentine? Then you popped up on my Facebook page, and we started talking, and I went to your page and, and, and uh, saw that you were you know, healing diabetes with fruit, and that's how we we actually met. But when you started this journey of just healing the diabetes with fruit, you chose to focus on three areas. One was your blood sugar, your energy, and then um, healing your damage through your uh, eating disorder. Tell me why you decided to focus on those those three key areas for you. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, you know, it was as it was after recovering from my eating disorder and just kind of um, asking God how to nourish my body in an unselfish way and knowing that I had really not been taking care of it for many years, like 15 years, um, just shoving all kinds of crap down it. And I mean, down my throat. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, I just was tired. I wasn't feeling my best. And um, I was open to new methods. And I, I felt, um, um, as I read about raw foods, I saw that it was an opportunity to heal. And so I kind of felt like that was, um, I felt that I owed it, I owed my body a shot. And so that was kind of the big thing with raw foods I saw that I could heal. So that was the one. And um, I wanted to feel good. And I think it was maybe during my experimentation with stuff that I felt different foods affected me differently, maybe gave me more energy or less energy. And so that became just one of my criteria was, well, it's got to give me energy (laughs) because if I'm feeling like crap, then there's really not a reason for me to continue eating that way. And um, what was the third one? (laughs) I can't even Uh, remember. (laughs) Healing healing your damage through your eating disorder. Okay, yeah. So the the healing, um, the energy, and then the blood sugar control. Yeah, because that's diabetic that is yeah. something that, you know, I have to keep in mind. And I was having trouble on the, the diet. Um, before coming to raw foods, I had switched to a diet for food addicts. And it was like the healthiest I had ever eaten probably got rid of processed foods, sugar, flour, wheat. Um, it, it had like lean animal products um, and like high protein grains. And it was, you know, the healthiest that I had ever seen. And when I started eating that, my cravings went away as far as like the cabinets always calling to me. Like that is what I felt for years was the cabinets were just drawing me to open them and pull stuff from them. And when I stopped eating the sugar, flour, and wheat, that stopped. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But on that diet, I had trouble with my blood sugar. So that's why I kept looking for things better. Yeah, and you were uh, you were a binge eater, is that right? Like just eating? Yeah, like whole okay. pizzas and big things of ice cream, gallons of half gallons, <laughs> big yeah. things of pasta. How, yeah, plenty of stuff. <laughs> how much of that was um, 
because I've interviewed a lot of people, and one thing that I've come to the conclusion is that a lot of that behavior has more to deal with emotions, like it was emotional. How much of that binge eating was emotional Mm -hmm. for you? Well, I think when it first started out in high school, it was very emotional. It was anger. I was so angry, um, and I was very – there's a lot of selfishness. Like, I just want to do what I want to do. And, you know, I went to college, and it became even more, okay, you can't control me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And so at that point, it was very emotional. But I think as I continued on in that, it became actually I was, like, enslaved to it. And it was not even – it just became – it was what I did. I was – I was addicted, and at that point, it was like my mind, um, like in the addiction community, we talk about like this physical allergy, like where once I start, I can't stop, but then also this mm-hmm. mental obsession where even once I am, if I do say I'm never going to do it again, I cannot keep that resolution. There's this, oh, this crazy thinking that drives me to take that first bite, even no matter what, and, and so yes, emotions would be like something that would drive me to do it but it was even it didn't even matter what I was feeling like I, I just didn't have any solution <laughs> to life in general it was just what I did so um yeah 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 you you couldn't control it I've been there too when I had a lot of people don't know this but I gained an enormous amount of weight after leaving college and being an athlete and um one of the things that I knew that I had the control was eating out of boredom like, I would sit in front of the TV and just the whole bag, I don't eat M&Ms anymore, but the peanut M&Ms, those were my, my favorite. And if you go <laughs> in the store now, they have what you call the mega bag. And I would sit in front of the TV and eat a whole bag of those things. And I would yeah. feel horrible the next day, but I would keep doing it, and I couldn't understand why I was doing it. And then one day I just sat down when I made my commitment. I said, hey, why am I eating this? And it turns out that I – kind of correlated sitting in front of the TV with boredom, and that was my entertainment to, to shove the M&Ms in, in my mouth. So I know exactly yeah. where you're coming from because I dealt with it myself. Um, we keep talking about type 1. We keep talking about type 2. Explain the difference between type 1 and type 2. And you're a type 1, so explain the difference between the between the two, the type 1 and the type 2. Okay, well, it used to be that type 1 was called, like, juvenile diabetes where you just kind of get it and um, the, the type 2 was adult onset where it's like more related to lifestyle and unhealthy eating, being overweight and stuff. But now kids are getting type 2 and adults are getting type 1. So um, um, a lot of times the type 1 is referred to as autoimmune where the body just reacts to something and starts attacking itself, um, attacks the the cells and the pancreas to where you stop making insulin. Um, and then you have to take, you're reliant on insulin, external insulin to stay alive. And the type twos, it just is where their body becomes kind of clogged up with junk, <laughs> um, you know, unhealthy eating, and the body becomes unable to really use the sense the insulin that's already being made. So it is, their bodies are making insulin but they just become very mm-hmm. insensitive to it. That's kind of a basic understanding. Yeah, and the type 2, you've seen just by through your book, and your last night I was just going through and making sure I was um, dotting my I's and crossing my T's for the interview. And <laughs> in the book it seems to continuously keep mentioning that type 2 is reversible. Am I Yeah. 
right and correct in saying that, yeah, it's just a matter yeah. of kind of changing your lifestyle and maybe doing the things that you say in your book of uh, being getting on the fruit and talking about the fruit. Um, one thing that intrigued me about the book was that I read, I was going through the testimonials and looking at different people's testimonials, and it seemed like they, the people that were diabetic were responding, and I think you mentioned this earlier in the interview, they were responding better to raw food. Why is it that when you are diabetic, you respond better and quicker to raw foods? Well, um, it kind of depends on, I mean, there's different approaches to raw food, so I think it kind of differs. Um, there's there's generally um, a higher, a high fat raw food, um, low fruit with a lot of vegetables. Um, in my book, I'm talking about low fat and high fruit. And when the people in my book where they got off um, animal products, and they started eating a low-fat vegan diet, so plant-based diet, even if it wasn't raw, they started seeing results, but they got better results on raw. Um, I, I, and even there's a lot of people that I talk to who have gone back and forth between just a vegan diet and a raw vegan diet. I think one of the re- – and got better results on the raw vegan diet. And I think one of the reasons is that um, it's more – it's like real food. Whereas it's it's um, easy to do kind of more junk vegan like processed foods still <laughs> being a vegan right. um, and so at, on raw it's it's, it's real food um, body can use it it's got nutrients it's got fiber that goes with the fruit um, that helps the sugars be used um, it's it's very cleansing I think that's part of it actually um, so a lot of you know parasite issues do go away just by getting on a raw food diet. I think that's part of the um, the blood sugar issues getting resolved. Um, yeah, there's probably I, um, a lot of factors. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things I was going to ask you, and just to get your opinion on, because when I was just kind of playing around with this in my mind last night and getting prepared, I was like, okay, because I just had um, someone on the, the show uh, Dr. Ellen Cutler came on, I think maybe three episodes ago, and she talked about enzymes. And it seems as though that the uh, raw food has a lot of enzymes in it, whereas, you know, your cooked food doesn't have a lot of enzymes in it. So it's it's a lot less stress on the body when you're eating the raw food. And I'm thinking that maybe there's something there with the raw food, especially for someone who has maybe like you, an autoimmune or is suffering from diabetes, metabolic syndrome, is taking that stress off the body because there's so many more enzymes in the food. I don't know. I'm not a raw food specialist. I'm just trying to – my mind works like that, and I try to piece things things together. So it kind of makes sense based upon the interview that that I did with her. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. The the enzymes – and also cooked food, when you cook food, you damage the nutrients. So it becomes yes. a lot of times unusable by the body, and we need healthy nutrition to heal. Um, that's, you know, a big part of healing is getting nutrients to, that the systems use. Um, so I think that's, yeah, definitely enzymes and nutrition not damaging the real food. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I thought, I mean, it just made so much sense from the interview that I did with her, and then I'm sitting here late at night, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, the enzymes, the raw food enzymes, there's more enzymes, less stress on the body. So it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, you decided to put a lot of testimonials in your book. It's It, it follows, you know, different people in their different lifestyles and what they were doing before they uh, were diagnosed with diabetes. I think one woman that was, she was an alcoholic, one woman, I remember her from Jamaica, and she'd gained a, a lot of weight. I can't remember her name. I think it was Tony or something. That, I want to say that, but I don't really remember. And, <laughs> but it's a lot of testimonials in the book. Were those testimonials for you more so to get your point across for people to say, hey, you know, look at these people they've done it, or was that more for you, for your personal satisfaction, that, <laughs> hey, you're you're constantly reminding yourself that I can do this. Other people have done it. I can do it. Was it more for others or was more personal for, for yourself maybe? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it, I wrote the book because I was very excited about what was happening in my body. I was excited mm-hmm. to see changes happening and I had heard about type 2's healing. Like, I heard that it's so great for type 1's, but type 2's, if they do this diet, they can heal in, like, a month. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I've never heard this. So I went to the diabetes message boards, and I was sharing with people. I was sharing other people's, you know, videos that I came across, and they kept calling me a troll and saying, quit giving people false hope. And and they were really, you know, they – they attacked me a lot, and I was like, I would walk away from those mm-hmm. just feeling really crazy and confused, and I'm like, am I giving people false hope? And it was just, um, I, I didn't know what to make of it, but they asked a lot of questions. They had a lot of objections, and I was like, you know what? They're not open to it, but there are people in this world who are going to be open to this information, and I want to share it. I want to answer all these questions. I want the, I want to find the people who healed and I want them to answer these questions. I want them to respond to these objections and share their stories. So I just wanted this book to be out there <laughs> with the stories of the people right. who healed so, so that I could say when people brought up things to me, I could be like, here, read my book. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, it was kind of for me because I wanted this resource to be in the world. Yeah, it's bananas. I mean, I've your story, I've heard this over and over again from different doctors that I've interviewed where they come forth and they start sharing this information. And it's, it's, it's as if people don't want to heal. It's like they want to you – know, I've sat down and talked with people and they say, my diabetes, my this, my that. It's like they identify so much with their diagnosis that it takes over. And then when someone comes in and challenges them to say that, hey, you know what, you can do this naturally, you can heal naturally. It's as if they're so attached to that diagnosis, they don't want to let it go, and they come up with what you encountered, the false hope thing. Oh, you shouldn't be giving people false hope. It's like, okay, what should you be giving them? If you're not giving them something to tell them that they can heal, then what else? Should I just be saying, hey, you got to be on your insulin for the rest of your life or You know, it's funny to me. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, getting into you know, fruit. As a, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to respond to that quickly. As a diabetic, there has been my whole life, there's so many people telling you 
hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. And it's probably like this for many conditions, but I feel like because diabetes is like an industry, it's like there's always something new. And I think we kind of build up a shell. I mean, I don't know about the type twos, but I know for me, I was just like, I don't want to hear it. I mean, people have said this to me my whole life and I'm like, okay, it's not going to work. You know, it's, and I think that's part of it too. Like we don't want one more thing. I'm done listening. (laughs) You know, I don't know. That might be part of it. Yeah. But before I was going to ask you a question, but I wanted to kind of go back on this as well, because this is something that I'm really strong about uh, myself. And one of the things that I noticed in your book is that you took an active part in going out and and seeking the information. I believe that you connected with someone um, who used to live here in Florida, and then you connected with someone who uh, maybe two people, I think you were explaining to me, that eventually moved out to California. But you went on and you started to take an active part in your journey and saying, hey, this raw, it might be something to this raw food. Let me start researching it. How important is that, especially for someone who has diabetes, someone like you who may be associated with autoimmune? Because what happens to, with a lot of people is that they, again, identify with their diagnosis, and then for them it's all hey, let me see what my doctor can do for for me instead of just <laughs> saying, hey, what can I do for myself? You know, so how important was it for you to just start searching and looking for answers? You know, I think my journey is a little bit atypical because it started after my eating disorder recovery, and I did not want to educate myself at all. I didn't want to look into the stuff that I really felt I felt like, led to like that was my responsibility and so I started reading and I read that people could heal diabetes on raw foods and I'm like no way and yet I felt like I needed to look into it and and yes I think that the research and the reading was so important and I do consider education so valuable for anyone wanting to make a change um, or get healthier absolutely because I mean I mean, there's really so many methods out there. And, like, for me, as I've continued my healing process, I I just have found it really, really important to seek out people who have what I want and learn from them. And not just one person because no one person has all the answers. But, you know, learning from a lot of people who are getting the results that I want or just like, wow, that person looks really healthy and just kind of learning what are they doing, Um, you know, it's because some of it could just be surgery or whatever. <laughs> we just never know. Um, but just really, yeah, education is extremely important. I do believe in, yeah. in making a change and being motivated. Because if I don't, if I don't know why cooked food is not healthy for me, then I have no motivation to stop eating cooked food. And it was like reading Don Bennett of Health101.org. I read his book on avoiding degenerative disease and. And I didn't want to read some of that stuff and learn it. But once I learned it, it was like I was responsible for this information. I was like, I've got to do something with this. Now that I know this, can't continue doing what I was doing before. So it was really huge in in getting me to shift. (laughs) Yeah, one of my favorite sayings is uh, Maya Angelou. She says, uh, once you know better, do better. But a lot of people, you know, they never – know better so they're never doing better but that's one of my favorite sayings and that's something that I always implement in my life I remember when you and I met we actually met at Whole Foods 
you with, you know, some other individuals there, and I'm sitting there talking, and I'm open. I'm like, hey, I don't know everything. Um, there's stuff that I'm still learning, and I'm still reading books and doing other things, and I don't think that I know it all. And I'll be the first to say that. that I don't know. I've been doing this show since 2013, and every time somebody go comes on, they challenge something that I know. I just had a gentleman on talking about potatoes for losing weight. Who the heck uh, knew that you could use potatoes to lose weight? Not me, mm-hmm. but I'm always constantly learning stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's get into talking about fruit because I've heard so many things about fruit, and one of the things that really piqued my curiosity and wanted you to be on the show was the first thing that I ever heard about fruit is that fruit is fattening um, because fruit has sugar in it. It's going to raise your insulin levels, and that goes against everything that you're about. Um, why doesn't fruit <laughs> raise your insulin level? Well, um, it we do, everyone, when they eat fruit, they do have a blood sugar rise, and mm-hmm. we do, you know, our body puts out insulin to take care of it, and then it, it goes back to where it needs to be. That's what happens in a normal person. It happens anytime we eat. Um, so it's not a bad thing. It's a normal thing. It, it happens in the body. Um, but I think there there's definitely fear that fruit itself is, is bad. It's, it's sugar. Um, but it's is what our, our body runs on sugar. Our body uses these carbohydrates in, in the cells. I mean, it's it's a full package of nutrients. It's it's not as scary <laughs> as we often hear. So um, I I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, you did. You did. And I mean, does I've heard that fruit because it's fruit and there's the fiber. Uh, within the fruit, that kind of slows the absorption of the sugar. I don't oh, yeah. know how right I am by, by saying that, but, um, you know, yeah. that's what I've heard. I'm just trying to make sure that, you know, we we, we were piecing this off together, uh, so <laughs> to speak. Um, what does your diet consist of? Are you eating the same fruit over and over? Do you do seasonal fruit? I know some, some people eat only mangoes at a certain time. What does your diet consist of when, when it comes to uh, using the fruit? Well, I have a very, I have a wide variety of things that I eat. I probably eat more variety now than I did on any other diet because once I started eating fruitarian, I'm like, well, it's really boring to just eat apples, bananas, and oranges. <laughs> so I started learning about other fruits and, and I got this big long list of fruits that I wanted to try at some point And and anytime I see something new or we have it on our wholesale ordering list, then I'll I'll try something new. But so basically, it's um, I'll probably eat like today. I had a pineapple for one meal, and I had um, maybe I had a melon for another meal. Um, I might have like oh, I had some dates in coconut water for one meal. Um, so it's just, I kind of eat mono meals of fruit a lot because mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like I can enjoy the, I can enjoy the taste better if it's just that fruit. And if I mix them all together, then you can't really get much variety because it's always, you're getting everything in your mix. <laughs> so if I just eat one, right. I can appreciate that. And then, um, so I, I generally do a lot of 
just plain fruit meals. During mango season, I'll eat like four mangoes for a meal. That's my favorite, Florida mangoes. Um, and then I'll eat like some non-sweet fruits. Like sometimes I would eat meals of just like four bell peppers or some cucumbers, or I would make some kind of meal out of those. Like you can make zucchini spaghetti. Um, using a, a spiralizer and then put on like some tomato orange juice sauce with different seasonings to make a, a, a spaghetti sauce. So you can, I've done like fruit meals of that. Currently, since I'm doing parasite cleansing, I've been doing meals with raw sauerkraut and different kinds of sprouts and um, other supplements. Sometimes I do orange juice, dates, and, like, different green powders because the orange juice and the dates help to cover the green taste <laughs> make it really good. Um, that's kind of what I eat, like, a few meals of fruit and then some kind of um, more savory type dish. Yeah, and my, I guess my question um, now is, is are you uh, satiated? Does that does it fill you up, or are you like, okay, I could eat something else? Does it actually fill you up to the point where you're, you know, you can carry yourself for three or four hours without thinking about food? Yeah, it does. At first, people, a lot of times people don't eat large enough meals because um, when we come from a different diet, it's it's very dehydrated food. So if we eat like a McDonald's meal, it's a lot of calories in a small package. It doesn't take up much room in your stomach. But then when you eat fruit, it takes up a lot of room in the stomach. So you kind of think, oh, I that's that's all all I should eat. <laughs> when in reality, it's not a lot of calories. So a lot of times people have to kind of practice eating bigger meals to where it lasts for a few hours. Now, me, I came from an eating disorder background, so I was used to binging and really stuffing myself and stretching my stomach, so it wasn't a problem <laughs> for me. <laughs> so I just eat, um, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to eat larger calorie meals. Um, like, a lot of times if, I, if I'm not satiated, I'll do something with dates or bananas. Like, we'll do banana ice cream. It's just frozen bananas, and then you can add, like, mint and rock a cow to make mint chocolate chip or whatever. Um, so there are some that are higher-calorie meals that I'll do if I'm, like, really um, wanting more at the end of the day. But, yeah, I feel satiated. I feel I feel really great and satisfied. There was a, a while where I would get cravings, and so at, at first when I got cravings, I had to learn to eat more fruit, and then the salt cravings, I had to learn to get more minerals through either um, more non-sweet fruits and salads or I started incorporating the juiced barley grass powder. I think a lot of our um, minerals that should be in our food are not these days. So mm -hmm. that's why I have to use more supplements than I may have had to in the past. <laughs> yeah. Are you checking any of your, like, biomarkers? Have you been to the doctor to check and see, you know, what what's my um, – what is the thing that they – do like A1C, uh, you know, stuff like that. Are you keeping up with that, or you're just basing basing it on how you you feel yourself? Do you mean my diabetic um, numbers? Like you're talking about the A1C? Yeah, the just your 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 okay. yeah, and other other health mm -hmm. yeah other health markers um, like um, 
I mentioned A1C, which is with that, but other health markers. Are you just are you seeing a specialist or documenting any of this stuff, or are you just kind of going on how you feel? When I wake up in the morning, I have energy. I'm feeling good. How how are you kind of making gotcha. that that mark? Yeah, um, as a diabetic, you have to go every. Well, for a while I had to go every three months. Now I'm at every six months in order to get supplies. So when you're under the care of a, you know, a diabetic doctor, we'll do the regular testing. So there's the A1C testing and then um, different panels, lipid panels and metabolic comprehensive panels. So I do get checked on that sort of stuff. And I always get my vitamin D and D12 checked as well. And I've been under iodine supervision for that and getting that checked. So I do, um, yeah, I think testing is important. Some testing hasn't really helped me, but there are things that I, I do want to make sure are in range, yes, for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you, that was a good <clears throat> segue into what I wanted to actually uh, talk about next because I had some specific things I wanted to ask you about when they uh, pertain to diabetes, but you mentioned vitamin D. How important is it for you as a diabetic, a type 1 diabetic, and then you have your other type 2 diabetics? How important is it for you? And if you can give any recommendations, recommendations to anybody else who out there might be listening to have adequate an adequate vitamin D supply. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that D, vitamin D, and diabetes are really related, but I mean, I haven't really been able to tell a difference between me and other people as far as vitamin D. It just seems like everybody's low in vitamin D these days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's pretty common. So, um, yeah, I think what I learned initially is that the, the recommendations we, we typically see for vitamin D are kind of low. Um, it says 30, you know, it should be more than 30 NG per ml, but it, it actually should be, like, higher. It's, so the the things we see on lab tests are, are lower than where we need to be. And, um, you know, of course, the main, the main way that vitamin D we're supposed to be getting that is from sunlight, but, you know, we're kind of not getting as much sunlight <laughs> as in the past and, and for various reasons. And so levels are dropping. Um, I personally am using a vitamin D lamp. I've used D3 supplements um, and I've been able to, also um, raised my D levels by going to a tanning bed that had UVB bulbs in it, but that's actually kind of hard to find at tanning beds. Um, but really, when the body makes the vitamin D itself, that's the best way. Um, it's, it's much better than supplements. So that's why I prefer the lamp to the supplements um, now that I'm not really getting in much sunlight where we are. Um, yeah. Um Two, maybe three years ago, I read a book called uh, Lights Out, Sleep, Sugar Survival by um, T.S. Wiley. And one of the things that she explained on there was the fact that our society now, we're doing, spending more time in light. Like it used to be that you went to bed at 8 o'clock. When the sun went down, you went to bed. Now, we're living that Vegas lifestyle where no one ever sleeps. We constantly have light uh, from our computers. We're constantly having watching, you know, television. And she said that that, in effect, makes your your insulin le- insulin levels rise or get out of control. 
Um, hmm. How important is it for people who might be diabetic to get sleep? And I know you stay up pretty late. <laughs> but <laughs> you and I talked, but I wanted to just ask that question of you of how important is it for you know, to get sleep, to get the proper amount of rest, especially when you're you're diabetic. Yeah. I just know in general, um, not necessarily re- related to diabetes, but that's really interesting what you shared. But, yeah, um, sleep is so important for healing. It's where our, when our nerve energy gets regenerated, it's where we're detoxing. And, yes, I've got some terrible sleep habits in place at the moment. It's like <laughs> when you're working on a project, I don't know, I can only work at night. Um, but, but yeah, it's really, really important for healing. And I definitely notice that when I am in a bad sleep schedule, I don't feel as well. And I definitely, even just after getting one good night's sleep, I'm like, wow, I feel so much better. It's it's really huge in healing. And I did, um, for many years, I had, I was going to bed with the sun, getting like loads and loads of sleep, um, really for years. Um, it was really, really huge in my healing process. Yeah, I'm with you. When I, I used to go to bed, I had made this pact. I'm not really following it right now. Sometimes, sometimes I do. Oh, you're I back too. To be in... <laughs> well, it you know you it, it happens. You're working on stuff. You mentioned working on projects, <laughs> and sometimes I'm working on stuff later at night, and you just get into it, and before you know it, it's eleven o'clock. But I do have these um, shades, the blue blocker shades that kind of block the light out. So you oh, know mm-hmm. that was one of the things they were mentioning uh, in. Uh, I've heard so many times I've had some guests on to get the blue blocker shades. Um, but I wanted to ask another question about uh, milk because I've heard about milk and especially with juvenile diabetes that milk could be the culprit to bringing that on. But I don't know. I, I mean, um, you probably know more about that side of it than I do, so I wanted to see if there was any correlation between drinking milk, regular milk, not raw milk, the good stuff, but the regular milk that you go into Publix. We have Publix here in South Florida for the audience. <laughs> you, grab that, you grab that jug. But um, have you seen any correlation between milk, drinking milk, and maybe someone developing diabetes? Yes, and I can tell you straight out, I'm I'm terrible with scientific words and explanations, and if you want to know mm-hmm. science stuff, I would really recommend reading Dr. Neil Barnard's program for reversing diabetes. He talks about all this stuff. He's got a whole chapter on the milk thing, but um, yes, and I was a huge milk drinker too, which is interesting, um, but the, yeah, the, the proteins in it, um, okay, I'm probably using the wrong words, but the body starts think it's like identical to the something in the pancreas. So the body starts attacking, and it ends up attacking the wrong thing. And and then yeah, that's one of the theories for type one diabetes, for sure. Yeah. And I'm the wrong person to ask about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's okay. But you you said the Dr. Neil Bernard's book, so they can they can go and uh, check that out. Um, I'm. I guess I was blessed because that somewhere at between the 25 in, at 25 years of age, because I was a huge milk drinker, I would always drink milk and I would always have to have a honey bun for some odd reason. But <laughs> something happened, something changed with my enzymes, and I was no longer able to handle milk. And it probably was 
was a blessing. So I'm glad I don't drink any milk anymore. But like I said, it, it probably was a blessing for me. Um, yeah. Something else that I wanted to touch on um, from your your book as well is that I saw so a, a correlation that there was a prevalence where people who had diabetes also got other ailments. Like they had diabetes. There's one gentleman in there who developed cancer. There was someone who developed something else. Does diabetes break your immune system down so you're more susceptible to other ailments and maybe because you're on the insulin uh, and most people are on maybe two or three other medications at a time for different ailments, <laughs> is that one of the main reasons why they're developing these other ailments because the diabetes actually is breaking down their immune system? Well, I mean, that could be it. One thing that I was thinking is just these are just symptoms. Like we get different conditions, and it's just symptoms of a sick body, a toxic body, an immune system that's not working well. And it just kind of manifests differently in different people, um, you know, depending on, I don't know, our genetics or our lifestyle or whatever. I mean, this year I've gotten sick with, like, pretty much everything you can get after you know, toxic mold exposure and other stuff. But I have this website devoted to all of these different conditions, but it's like the same fix for all of them. You know, kill the toxins, detox the body, and build up the immune system. It's We've got toxic bodies, we've got crashed immune systems, and, and it results in different kinds of illnesses. We've got a lot of assaults coming at us. We've got to strengthen our immune system so that we can, you know, our bodies can fight it off better. So... That's my theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just I think when you get one thing, it kind of breaks breaks everything down or makes you more susceptible to um, a lot of things. And like you said, a lot is related to the toxins. And you and I are both big fans of coffee enemas. We talked about that. I do a coffee enema every Saturday. I used to do them more regularly, but now I feel like I kind of grasp control of, you know, where my body is and how I'm feeling. So I don't do them um, three or four times a week like I used to do them. I only do one a week on a Saturday. It's pretty relaxing. It flows pretty well. But it's it, it's amazing how many people out there don't know much about these things that don't cost that much that, mm-hmm. that they can yeah. do to help their body, their, help their bodies along. i got to talk to you a little bit more off the air about that when we, when we finish <laughs> at some point because I'm looking for um, another solution with my um, – I've been using – kind of cheap animal bucket and I want to upgrade and see if you have any <laughs> suggestions for me on that. We'll have to talk a little bit about that. But that's all I had. Um, this is a great interview. I just wanted to know more because this really intrigued me. When you and I first started uh, throwing uh, salutations across Facebook Messenger, I'm like, wow, who is she? And then I went and I saw you, you, know, you wrote this book. Healing diabetes with fruit because let's face it, you Facebook, you're passing messages back and forth. Sometimes you don't know who you're talking to, <laughs> but you gave me your website, and I went and I said, "Oh wow, she might be great to have on the show." And I'm glad we met. And I told you there was a reason why we met, so I'm glad that we did because I'm always looking to expand my knowledge. And this was something again, I had always had this thing in my head that fruit wasn't good because I've heard so much that fruit is fattening. Stay away from fruit. Don't do this. Don't do that. And now, you know, there's one more of my beliefs that were challenged, which is good. So I 
I want to thank you for that, for for actually coming on the show and uh, and giving people some hope if they take the show and they get some hope. And your your book is an e-book and it's offered for free. Is that am I right in saying that? Well, um, I do have one that is available by donation. That is Don't Fear the Fruit. That one's um, by donation. Mm-hmm. The Healing Diabetes is Fruit costs money. <laughs> but, oh, okay. I didn't yeah, know that. I both, thought that uh, but, yeah, they're both on my website. And, um, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. there's tips and recipes in the Don't Fear the Fruit one and testimonials in that one, too. Yeah. yeah, and it's TashaLee.org. That's the one I know that's healing diabetes or fruit. I didn't see the other one, but it's what, TashaLee.org? Is... Yeah, TashaLee.org has both of them on there. And, Darren, can I say something else about the fruit? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Go for it. Um, One thing that I think we didn't touch on, but a lot of people who want to – who start eating fruit and then say, oh, my gosh, I got a blood sugar spike every time I eat fruit. It doesn't work for me. And we didn't talk about this, but as I mentioned, the the type 2 diabetes, a lot of times the body gets clogged up with stuff. Like the insulin receptor sites get clogged up and um, things don't work right to where the, the fruit sugar doesn't go into the cells and get used. Instead, it's just hanging out in the bloodstream causing problems. And this happens when we're eating a diet that is high in fat. And a lot of times people don't know that even lean animal products are still going to cause the same effect. They're still high in fat. So anybody who's eating any kind of animal products is going to have problems eating fruit because when those sites are clogged up, the the sugars can't get into the cells to get used. So there is that that problem. Anytime there's mixing the sugar and the fat, that does cause problems. So those who switch to like Dr. Neil Bernard's program, which is just a low-fat plant-based diet, they get rid of their diabetes. It just takes longer than the raw food version, um, but it's just letting the body clear out that fat and become sensitive to the insulin that it's already making. Um, and so those who do allow the body to clear out the fat then can eat the fruit without a problem. But it does, sometimes it does take some time to transition, you know, because, especially if we've got a lot of stuff clogging our body. And so sometimes people will do like um, juice, you know, green juice fast or whatever, maybe some kind of just plain fasting or just eating a lower carb plant-based diet that's low in fat to allow some transition time so that they ju- don't jump right into the fruit and have problems. So just yeah, know do you that there are transitions. Yeah, do you, uh, you mentioned the, the green juice fast. Do you recommend uh, maybe a detox before you even start a program like that, like this? It seems to be helpful for a lot of people, yeah. I mean, I just jumped right in, but then again, I was back and forth, back and forth a lot, and yeah. so I did have blood sugar issues. So, um, you know, it's just I just whatever works for people. You know, we all have our own methods. Some people are quick to change, some people are slow to change, and um, <laughs> whatever works. Yeah, yeah. Do you do any coaching on this this type of stuff? Do you have anybody that you, you coach on this, like, or if people are interested in some type of coaching? Yeah, I do coaching by donation. It's not really a, a focus of mine. My friends, um, Robbie Barbero um, of Mindful Diabetic, mm-hmm. 
and Cyrus Kambata of Mango Man Nutrition and Fitness. They're kind of the, the people I send people, you know, they're the big diabetes and fruit coaches. They're really great. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, Tasha Lee, thank you so much for being on. And the website is TashaLee.org. And, again, if you guys want to email me if you have trouble hearing this because Tonight, I actually wanted to apologize because Skype, I couldn't even, I normally call in the show from Skype, and I couldn't even call in. The lines were all full. I don't know what was going on with blog talk, so I want to apologize for the audio quality. I'm going to actually probably take this show and clean it up and then upload it again just so to see if we can make it sound a little bit better. But, again, it may sound good. But, uh, Tasha Lee, again, thank you for being on, and I'm sure you and I will be talking soon. Darren, can I say one last thing? Yeah, sure. Okay, the website for the diabetes stuff is um, fruitariandiabetics.com. That has all the resources. It's got, like, what I eat in a day with blood sugars. It's got some of Robbie's, some of Cyrus's. It's got interviews. It's got links to resources. So that one is the one that's really specific to diabetes, and I would encourage okay. you to check that out. It's got a link to our Diabetes and Fruit Facebook group, too. Yeah, um, when we get off, can you just message that to me through Facebook Messenger, and then I'll put that on the show notes so they have that. Because right yep. now I have org, so I want to put that one on there as well so they'll have that one. Okay, yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. All right, good night. Thank you. All right, guys, again, I want to apologize for the audio quality of the show. Like I said, there were some problems with me calling into Skype. If you don't know, I normally call into the, the, the show from Skype, and then I'm speaking through a podcast microphone, which sounds so much better. But tonight I had to go through the phone. So I don't know what my audio quality sounds like, and she had to call in for her from her cell phone. So apparently there might have been something going on with Skype tonight. So something you can't control a live show. I wanted to get the information out there. And like I said, what I'll do is once the show uploads itself, I'll download it. I have an audio software that I normally, uh, I can go in and clean up the show and maybe take out some of the, uh, what's in there, maybe the noises or background noise or whatever. And then I'll re-upload the show so it'll sound a little bit better. But hopefully you learned some information and um, we'll be back next week, uh, Monday I believe Monday is what the should be the 13th, and that will be Dr. Tom Cowan, and we'll be talking about cardio, conversations about cardio health. So that will be dealing with blood pressure, um, heart ailments, things of that nature. So hopefully you'll join me then. Same fat time, same fat channel. Peace and love, y'all. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>